What's up, Kawhi? How are we? Well, there's a few people that just, they're yelling loudly, and I love it. Like, Chris! Like, yes! I'm excited. I'm pumped up to be here. Man, you guys are so awesome. I'm going to tell you, I almost had to just look back to production crew and say, let's just keep worship rolling, because that was just so good. Can we give it up for our worship team, man? They're just so amazing. They love God. They love being here. Listen, I know we've done a lot of honoring, and, uh, but I got to continue uh, with that and just really quickly speak to my pastor, Rick and Michelle Bizet. Uh, listen, I just want you guys to know I'm so thankful that you loved us enough to pastor a place in Arkansas where we get to come in and find Christ again, but not, love, but not just stop there, but make sure that we had a community around us because you understand the importance of people being surrounded, but then not even stopping there making sure that we had purpose because you've got to live with purpose and you're my pastor and I love you and I thank you. Can you give it up for my pastor, Pastor Rick and Pastor Michelle Bizet. Come on, man. Love you. I do. You're so good. Listen, uh, we're, we're, I'm, I do want to talk about a few things that are really deep, but before we get into that, it's summer and summer's almost over. Oh. <laughs> Somebody just cheered for algebra. Did somebody, I literally think somebody said, algebra. I'm like, okay, well, where do we go on vacation, though? Let's have some memory time, huh? Anybody going anyplace good, vacay-wise? Anybody? Yell it out. Come on, let's. Haiti? Uh-oh, uh-oh, mission teams. Haiti, we got matching shirts. Okay, that's good, Haiti. That's cool. Where else? Other The beach? Orange Beach, okay. A lot of good places, a lot of good places. Listen, I, I, loved, I used to love going to the beach. It was good. You go to the beach. But see, some, sometimes problems happen at the beach. You're at the beach, and it's nice, and you're out there, and it's the sand and the, the waves. But when you're a young person, there's also the ladies. You know what I'm talking about, guys. You're just you kind of sucking in a little bit when you're walking down the beach like, what's up? How you doing? I don't usually talk like this, but since I'm flexing my abs right now. Playing a little beach volleyball, you know, the, the serve, you just really accentuate the, the tricep. <sighs> you know, just like really trying to make sure. Listen, I know, I've been there. I was, I was a teenager once. I was at the beach. And something happens every once in a while called a territory dispute when you're on the beach. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, what's that about? A territory dispute is when you think this is my section of beach because I'm here. And then some other bros come around and they start talking to the ladies you were talking to territory dispute, okay? So I was there with my best friend, Jeff Breeding. He's a pastor now. Only God knows how that happened to both of us because we were not on the right track. Anyway, so we were there, same thing. We were talking to these girls, you know, what's up? How you doing? Staying over here. Casa del Mar. Hey, Ocho Cinco. I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea what I just said. Okay, anyway, so I'm like, <laughs> I'm talking to these, these girls, and they're like, oh, man, that's so awesome. We're staying there, too. And I'm all like, I know, man, Casa del Mar. Anyway, I wasn't. Okay, so we're talking to them, and all of a sudden, these other bros come up. And they're like, hey, we were talking. Th this literally happened. You can't make this stuff up. Hey, we were talking to those girls earlier. I'm like, yeah, so I'm talking to them now. You know, <laughs> what's the deal? They're just like, well, bro, uh, you need to walk away. And I'm thinking, I got my bro. You know what I mean? Like Jeff breeding my man. He's got my back. We're about to, nothing can stand between us and what we want because I got my brother by my side. And I'm like, hey, uh, bro, here's the deal. <laughs> 
beach is big enough for all of us, so why don't you just go walking? And these are like guys that are like two years older than me, and in high school years, you might as well be like a 40-year-old and a five-year-old. You know what I'm talking about? Like when it's somebody two years older than you and they're a little bit taller, it's like you're supposed to like you know, bow down to the senior. I'm a senior. That's how it's supposed to feel. But I wasn't buying it. Why? Because, man, I had somebody at my side. I was ready to go. So I'm standing, in, I'm standing there. I'm ready to fight. I'm like, I'm bowed up. These guys are like, I'm not kidding. We're not budging. I'm like, well, I'm not kidding. We're not bu- Oh, wait. They're like, <laughs> I look beside me, my friend, he's, he is like four hotels down the beach, like a, a chicken leg sprint. He is just running away, and he's skinny, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, you big, me small. You know, this is your area of beach, everything okay. You know, I'm like walking away afraid of what these guys are about to do. Why? Because I didn't have somebody standing beside me. And so listen, I want to talk to you guys about territory disputes, And right now, in our country, we are in the middle of the largest territory dispute ever known to man, in my opinion. Because beliefs out there are encroaching on our beliefs. In your schools, there are ideas and thoughts and lifestyles that are saying, this is the way you should be, this is the way you should live, and none of them line up with the way God says we should be, and God says we should live, thus the territory dispute. But it's not enough for me to get up here and say, there it is, so high five, collide, go out and live your life, go to school, it'll be fun. You know, that's not enough. We got to talk about how do we win? How do we win this territory dispute? And the way we win is by standing together. If you're taking notes, that's what we're talking about this afternoon, is standing together. Listen, the word of God is clear. There is going to come times where we're going to be tempted. There's going to come times when we're under pressure. The word of God says that territory disputes are going to happen. But what I'm, what I'm telling you is the word of God also gives us some clear direction on what to do when that happens. Check this out. Proverbs 27, 17. We got to stand together. Iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another. I like that because it's tough. It's like we're going to sharpen each other. Let's do this. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let us consider how to stir one another up. Man, can I pause for a second? Look up here. I love stirring people up. That's why I'm a pastor. I just love getting in people's face and just going, come on, are we going to do something big or what? I'm just, I'm telling you, man, I love this. The Word of God tells, tells us that we should do this to each other. Why? So that we can love and do good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. we got to stand together. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. The Word of God's t- teaching us, man, if we'll stand together, we can get more done. If we'll stand together, we can do some great things. And listen, I want to blow your mind with something really quick. I don't think the greatest temptation or the greatest thing that's going to cause you not to live for Christ are temptations, are shame, are sin, or any of those things. I think the greatest threat to you living a life for Christ is the temptation to stand for nothing at all. That we're going to sit on the sidelines during a territory dispute and go, it's not my thing. Or what? My friends are, I don't know, if, what, what if I stand up right here? What, what are my friends going to say? What are they going to do? And I'm telling you, it's time for us, students, young people, college age, young adults, high school age, junior hires, the ones that were cheering for the inflatables last night, whoever you are in here, listen. It's time for us to recognize we've got to take a stand for some things. But we can't stand alone. We've got to stand together. And that's why I love this room right now. Look around. We're not alone. We've <laughs> got a packed out room. We get to go back to where we're at, take it with us, like Pastor Amir was saying, and go for it. But we got to go for it together. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you guys three different questions. 
this afternoon. We're going to be studying out of Daniel 3. If you guys have a Bible or a Bible app, sometimes we get in trouble for not bringing our Bibles. I read on my Bible app all the time, so I can't make that joke like, where are the real Bibles in here? Because I'm usually that guy that doesn't have it. But today I do because I, Pastor Rick is here and I just wanted to see him pastoral. Hey, Rick, I have my real Bible. I'm kidding. That's not why I brought it. Um, but anyway, Daniel 3 is where we're going to be. And the first question I have to ask you guys is this. Why do we have to stand? Why do we have to stand? Turn with me to Daniel 3. Let's, ju let's jump around in there a little bit. All right, so here's the story. This is the story of these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But first, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth six cubits. Now, this is a 90-foot-tall idol is what this is, guys. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather all these people, the governors and counselors, treasurers, all these different officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of this huge image that had been set up for the king. I'm going to skip down to verse 4. And all these people, they started commanding, You are commanded, O peoples and nations and tongues, that when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, all these different bagpipes. I mean, I've never heard a bagpipe live, but that would be cool. Anyway, any of these musical instruments, you're to fall down and worship this golden image that the king has set up. And whoever does not fall and worship shall be immediately cast into a burning furnace. Therefore, all the peoples heard the sounds, and all of them gathered around the golden image, and they bowed down. I want to pray real quick. God, we need you. A lot of people are bowing down. God, we need you to help us learn how to stand together for something more than just ourselves, for something more than just what we want, but what you want, God. So I pray right here, right now, that you would inspire a generation, that this would be like a Jordan River moment where we say, man, we may have been hanging out in some spiritual desert, but we're going to a spiritual promised land, and we're not going alone, we're going together, and we're gonna do it because we have to do it, God. So be with us as we learn, be with us as you challenge us, God. We're ready to hear from you. Everybody said. Amen. First question, why do we have to stand? Because we're up against intimidating odds. You guys, we got to stand up because we are up against some crazy, intimidating odds. The temptations right now that you guys are facing are not these little bitty temptations. It's not like, oh, that was easy. Boop, you know, I can win. We're up against these giant temptations, these things that are towering over us at times, 90 foot tall. I was just talking and studying a little bit before this, just asking people questions about what tempts you, what tempts you. And even Mark Pettis was talking about this story. But man, the topic of pornography, the temptation that that is to people out there, it's like this topic that everybody's talking about. Listen, I, I read this. 97% of guys 15 or older have already been exposed to pornography. That means that only 3% of this room or so haven't been hit by one of the greatest temptations ever. When you look at that giant that temptation, the temptation to be negative, to be frustrated. When I was in high school, when I got ticked about something, I just went into my room and like, oh, kick a pillow or something. You know what I mean? Like punch a wall. Actually, my dad's here somewhere. I actually headbutted a hole in my wall one time. I got so angry. I mean, I, and my dad was like, why did you headbutt it? Shouldn't you have punched it? I'm like, no, dad, I was that mad. You know, so I don't know what the deal is. I, I headbutt things sometimes. It's weird. Anyway, there's another story I can't tell from the stage. Anyhow, they just headbutt. But listen, nowadays you get ticked. What happens? Can you guys believe what Sally just did? Oh, she's a skank. Tweet. Tweet, tweet. 
Yo, bro, stay away from my girl. Instapick of my chest and abs. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want some of this, you know? All of a sudden, all of a sudden drama and negativity and things are getting stirred up everywhere. And the whole high school is up in arms about something that could have been taken care of by just going to God or just calling somebody you trust. The temptations are big, man. We got to take a stand because the temptations are out against us. Drinking and partying and all this kind of stuff. This is, this even, those not even considered temptations anymore. There are actually colleges right now that offer extracurricular credit if you will just go and organize parties for frats and stuff. Do you guys realize this? I just made that up. <laughs> Several of you were like, I'm changing colleges. You're like, so, man, oh, Fayetteville, I bet does that. Anyway, okay, moving on. No. Sorry, sorry, Faytown, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We got a campus up there, we're gonna change it. We're gonna get no more, okay, of that going on. It's gonna be good. That's why we're talking here today, Fayetteville campus. Jason, is, I think he had to go back, otherwise I never would have said that, speaking of weightlifting. Anyway, uh, <laughs> listen, the temptations are tall, they're big, and they're after us. So I was, I was hiking with my wife when she was five months pregnant, <laughs> and we went to Yellowstone National Park. Was it five months, right? Is that right, babe? Yeah, she's nodding. She's, she's like, yes, thank you very much. Okay, anyway, so we're hiking, and it was in Yellowstone, it's bear country. And so when you're in bear country, first of all, I feel like an idiot. I'm like hiking with my pregnant wife, and they're like grizzly bears roaming around looking for food. Anyway, but so we're hiking, and they train you. They say, when you're hiking and you go around a corner, you have to yell, hey, bear, in case there's a bear around the corner. Actually, they just said you had to make noise, but we decided we would yell, hey, bear. So we're hiking, and I'm telling you, it's like an eight-mile hike through snow. We got snow stuck cleats on. We're like hiking through stuff, knee-deep snow at times. We were losing the path. I'm digging through the snow to find cut logs so we can find our way back. My wife is like, what have you gotten me into? I'm like, you're a courageous German woman. You can do it. Pick your knees up, you know? And so... We're going through, but all the while, if we came up on top of the hill or we went around a, a bend, we had a, hey, bear, going around the corner, hey, bear, like yelling, and Kat's like, do you feel stupid doing this? I'm like, absolutely. Hey, bear, you know, just yelling, and so we, we, get, we get through the entire hike, and it, we're at the very end, and we saw some people. We hadn't seen anybody. We saw two people at the end of this hike. Nobody was out there, but it let our guard down a little bit. We got a little bit tired, and we said, okay, let's just... Let's just hang out. And so we started kind of, we started kind of not yelling, hey, bear. The first time we turn a corner without yelling, hey, bear, grizzly, boom, like just sitting, right, I mean, like 20 yards away from us, digging in the dirt, like eating grubs. And both of us just, you know, just stopping our tracks, beep, beep, you know, just a little. You get, when you see a grizzly bear, little urination. Anyway, so it's got to be real. I mean, just. So, Sometimes you pee your pants. Okay, anyway, so this bear, there's like a section over here like, oh, is he joking? Okay, anyway, so there's this bear, and my pregnant wife is behind me, and I'm like, this is the man instinct. I'm like, babe, no. Put my arm around it. Just stand your ground. We got to slowly, but I'm also a dude, so I want to take a picture of the bear, you know? So, so I get my camera, and I turn it on just makes this pretty little noise, and Mr. Bear, just, I mean, the beady eyes of death are just, like, staring into my soul. I mean, it's just looking at me. I'm looking at Bear. Bear's looking at me. Cat's got this little pepper spray that they give you. The, like, if a bear charges you, use the, the pepper spray. And I'm like, is this, for, like, seasoning for Cajun food? Like, what are you giving me this for? Is this for the bear? Like, hey, is it going to taste better? You know what I mean? Like, 
Anyway, so the bear's staring at us, and all of a sudden, when a bear is looking at you in your face, you start going through the things that you've heard before about bears. And there are conflicting reports on what to do if a bear is attacking you. Because they say if a bear is trying to eat you, then you fight valiantly and just try to get it to know that you are not going to go down as easy prey. That sounds good. But if a bear is trying to protect its young, then you pretend to be dead because then it'll know you're not a threat. So you just kind of ragdoll it while it's like flailing your flesh. You know, that's a, sorry. My question to all the bear experts, Dwight Schrute, is, you're welcome. That was for you. That was for you, Office fans. You're welcome. Okay. My question is, how in God's name do you tell the difference when a bear is attacking you? If it's trying to eat you or protect its young. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this bear is trying to protect its young. You know, it's eating your face. It's a bear. Okay. That, there's a, barely any point to telling that story. I just enjoy it. Okay, I'm just kidding. Listen, when you are facing something down that's going to attack you, the one report that is not conflicting is you better stand your ground. Because if you turn tail and run, that thing sees you as prey. And it knows it's got you right then. And so what I'm telling you is these temptations that have been backing our butts down for the last decade, it's time for us to look at a bro and a sister next to us and say, these things are tall, but I'm taller because I'm taking a stand with my brother and my sister in Christ. And that is why we have to take a stand. Why do we got to take a stand? We got to take a stand, you guys, because so many people are bowing down. So many people are bowing down. We got to take a stand. When you look around your school, and, I, and I've asked our pastors to do this, what, what is your school defined by? Most people don't say the love of God, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. You know, they don't start describing the fruit of the Spirit. They say other things, and it's because so many people are bowing down to these idols. I don't know if it's because it's just really hard to stand for Christ. I don't know if it's because it's just not cool to take a stand. I don't know the reasons why, but I know this. We're taking, we're bowing down, and you have to understand this. Please hear me. You better be ready. When you bow your knee to something, you're giving your life to that thing. So whatever it is you're bowing to, whatever it is controls you, whatever it is consumes you, you have given your life to that person or to that thing. You better be careful what you're bowing to. I love the idea of proposals in the United States, like the way we do it. I don't know if it's like this all over the world, but in America, we get down to the guy, you know, it's romantic. You try to, nowadays, there's all these surprises and things you do, but you bend your knee, right? You bow down and you bend your knee and you say, will you marry me? And listen, the reason I love this is because it's actually symbolic of what Christ asks us to do. He asks us to bow our knee. He says, when you marry that woman, you love her like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for the church which is a cool symbol to bow down and say, hey, but can I tell you something? I remember when I was 17 years old. That's right, that's not a typo. 17 years old, my wife was about to move back to Germany. She was a German exchange student. I was like, I love this girl. So I bought a cheap ring from Dillard's, but it did have some sort of a diamond in it, I think. Anyway, so I, 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 we, were by, we were under a weeping willow tree by a lake, and I looked at her, she's right over here, and I went down and I said, I love you. I promise myself I wouldn't cry. You know what I mean? Will you marry me? And she's, she's, we're 17, we're young. She looks at me, she's like, I think so, yes, maybe. English is hard. You know, she didn't say that. She said yes. She said yes. And I knew that I would give my life for that girl. But some people, 
you bow down for the wrong girl, and then you get in trouble. The rest of your life is difficult. Oh, I thought you raised your hand, bro. Some guy was stretching. Let's get, okay, you're, you're, you're telling me to preach it. Good. I thought a guy was like, that was me. I'm like, dude, she is going to shiv you. Like, she is going to pull out a nail file and stab you in the throat, and my team is going to have to clean it up. Anyway, okay. Amir, serve team. Anyway, man down. Ha! Anyway, he was just saying, that's right. I, I thought he was going, that's me. Okay, good. Woo! Praise God. Wisdom. Okay. We got to know what we're bowing to. Listen to me. It's just as important. When you bow your knee to a girl, you better know that's the right girl. That's the rest of your life. That's a covenant before God. When you bow your knee, you don't have to bow your knee to bow your will. Some of us are bowing our will to things. And we need to say, I'm done with it. I'm standing together. We have to stand. Why? Because, man, the, the idols are tall. The temptations are tall. We got to stand because so many people are bowing down. Ephesians 5.15 says this. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Man, don't act thoughtlessly. Students, students, don't act thoughtlessly. Young adults, don't act thoughtlessly. Think about what you're doing. Every act is important. What are you bowing to? What are you thinking about? What are you looking at on your phone? What are you tweeting? What are you Instagramming? What are you saying with your words? What are you watching with your eyes? Don't act foolishly. foolishly. Don't bow down, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. We got to stand together. So second question is how do we stand? Let's jump back into Daniel, Daniel 3. Let's get into this, verse 12. So these guys, man, they decide they're not going to bow down. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are their names. And these really whiny people go to the king, and they're like, oh, there are certain Jews who have appointed over the affairs of the provinces of Babylon, sir. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these are, they're losers. These men, O king, I don't know what I'm doing. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They don't serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. And so Nebuchadnezzar is ticked. He's mad, he's angry, and then this is what he does. Let's jump, let's jump ahead to verse 16. So he says, man, I'm gonna throw you into a fiery furnace if you don't bow your knee to what I've told you to. Shad, Meshach, and Bendy, they answered and they say, oh, Nebuchadnezzar. And what I love about this, guys, can we just focus real quick? Listen, what I love about the word of God, I don't know if this is exactly what it's doing here, but to me, this is a little sarcasm. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. Like, I don't know if they're really giving a ton of honor here. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Because oh usually is like, oh, Lord, it's like a great honor. But with the way he's doing it, they're doing it. They're like, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we're not going to listen to anything you have to say. Thanks for trying. You know, that's kind of what's going on here. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter, bro. If this be so, if you throw us into this fiery furnace, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. O king. <laughs> Little K, not big K. The king, God. That's the only king we're supposed to bow our knees to. Listen, but if not... Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. We really have to identify with this for a second. They're saying, king, we have faith that our God's going to get us out of this because, because we're in this together. We know God is with us. But even if he doesn't, even if we have to die, it's not worth bowing down to what you're asking us to bow to. That's some strength. That's some courage. That's some confidence. So we know why we have to stand. How do we stand? Guys, write this down. We must stand together. 
I've, I've talked about this, and I know it's the title of the message, and now I'm saying it again. Why am I emphasizing this? Because we don't get this so many times. I thought about this a lot when I was preparing for this. Would Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, would they have been able to stand if they were alone? And my feeling is, I don't know. With all that pressure, with all those people bowing down, are they going to have the confidence to say no? But when they were together in it, when they knew they had each other's back, they were going for it. And guys, there's examples of this. The silent disco last night. You guys look like idiots. I mean, <laughs> did you take them off? I mean, it was amazing. It was hilarious. But if you walked in there and there were people, it, it was just, just like dancing around and flailing everywhere. It was just ridiculous. There, is not many there are not many people that you just put on headphones by yourself. You're like, this is fun. They turn different colors. And then you just start like dancing around by yourself. If there were one person in that room and you walked in, you'd be like, aw. We got to find a volunteer to go encourage him. You know what I mean? Like, but when it's everybody, it's like, look at Tyler Benton up here and do the whip. You know what I mean? Everybody's going crazy. He's, you know, this guy, he's a dancer. He's so good. Okay. We will do crazy things. When we work out, Come on, man. When you work out when by yourself, you're like, man, these weights are heavy. You know? But when your friend's with you, you're like, put more on there. Ah! You're just like ready. To, it doesn't matter what pops. You're like, you literally, your collarbone just explodes out of your shoulder. Just, you know, and you're just like, I can still do it. You know, like, why? Because there's another dude in the gym. You know, that's, that's the only reason why. All of a sudden, we're ready to just go for it. We're ready to go for it. We're ready to go. When, a, when, when I was playing basketball, man, back in high school, we were the skinniest white boys that ever walked the planet. I mean, we went to this little, small, little Baptist school, and when we walk, I mean, we could walk down together down any alley in the world, and there's no intimidation. We're going to get jumped anywhere we're at. Like an old woman would come up and be like, give me your money. I mean, it's, that's what it was like. But listen, we were so confident. And I'm not talking about just the starting point guard, the starting center. I'm talking about from the guy that was the starter all the way to the end of the bench. We were confident because we stood together. And that's what you guys need. That's another thing. We got to stand with some confidence. And I know this because I was the guy on the end of the bench. I didn't get in the games. But I walked around like, yeah, man, we're Arkansas Baptist Eagles. Ca-ca! You know, I, mean, I, was, I was just, it didn't matter. I was so pumped up. At the games, I was at the end of the tunnel. Mm, mm, we about ready? Boom! Like headbutt. I told you about that move already. You should have seen it coming. I mean, I was so fired up. But this is how I stretched before games. No joke. The other guys were like getting stretched and shooting free throws and getting warmed up. Me and my bro, me and my bro Jimmy, we would sit, we would sit there and we would stretch by practicing throwing towels to the starters. <sighs> yeah. Oh, they made a shot. Let's, let's get the high five stretch going. Boom! You know, that's how we would stretch. In practice, I, that was my game. That was my game time. So my coach would always put me on the starting power forward. This guy was like all state. His name was John Paul. My coach would, he'd be like, so, uh, Chris, I need you to D up John Paul, get some motivation in him. I'm like, yes, sir. You know what I mean? And then we'd be practicing, and we'd be running down the court. I'm not kidding you. I'd run down the court, and I'd be in his ear. I'd be like, you better play harder, son. You better play harder, because we've got a game coming up. You better get going. You better get going. He's like, will you calm down? It's just practice. This is my game. You don't box out, zoom, box out. You lazy on that layup, I will foul you. And it's practice, they don't call fouls. You're gonna bleed, John Paul. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. I was crazy, crazy. End of the bench, <laughs> crazy. Why? 
man, because I had some confidence. We won two state championships, skinny white boys. We went up against an undefeated team. They walked in with so much swagger. We were like, uh-oh, maybe they are better than us. Just They were dunking, like, all over the place, and we just did three-point stance basketball. Like, oh, move the feet. You know what I mean? Like, we just, and we won. Because why? Listen, because we stood together with confidence. It's time for some people in this room to look around and not forget that you got a brother at your side. Whatever's coming at you, you say, I got a brother here and a brother here and a brother behind me and before me, and we're going to win because we're going to stand together. We got to stand together. We got to stand with some confidence. Ecclesiastes 4.19, this is, I'm, I'm sorry, 4, 9 through 12. Two people are better off than one. They can help each other succeed. Who wants to be successful? Who wants to see good things happen in their life? we got to stand together. If one person falls, the other person can reach out and help. Who needs help sometimes in here? We need help. we got to be with each other. Listen, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. That one's more for the girls because, guys, we, it's weird. You know, we don't want to cuddle and keep each other warm. Okay, but how can we be warm alone? A person, back to the cool stuff, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Where are we together? Will we stand? Will we fight? Am I right? Come on, where are we at tonight? Come on, man. I'm sweating up here trying to get you guys going. Stand back to back, man. We're talking about 300 stuff. Boom! Like kicking people down a pit. Temptation? Headbutt. Come on, you coming at me? Huh? No, no. Uh-oh. 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 We got a little gossip coming on. Elbow! I mean, you know what I'm saying? Just go for it. We got somebody standing at your back. We can stand together and conquer. Okay, finishing the scripture now. Wow. I blacked out for 20 seconds. Three are even better. Oh, no. I'm kidding. I'm like, that was a joke. That was a fake, a fake passion moment. Okay. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. We gotta stand together. We gotta stand with confidence. That's how we do it. I wanna, I wanna give a quick clarification. Confidence is not stupidity. Confidence is not saying whatever comes to your mind. Confidence is not quoting the Bible, but not allowing the Holy Spirit to direct you in how you quote the Bible. Confidence is not responding to an issue that is big in our country or big in your high school out of frustration or out of pride. Confidence always leads back to Christ and it always leads to loving others. Come on, man. Recently, I was in a discussion with my wife. When we're not at church, we call those fights. She was very opinionated about something, as Germans often are, <laughs> and Americans are too, so <laughs> oil and water sometimes. <laughs> anyway, um, so we were, we were discussing something, and all of a sudden, I got some confidence. I stood up, and I looked at her, and I said, Kat, <laughs> I'm the man around here. <laughs> this really happened. I know, there's like several girls like, mm-mm, mm-mm. I don't think so. Okay, anyway, so, but I did. I said it. It was bad. I go, Kat, I'm the man around here, and we're going to do what I say we're going to do on this matter. So my wife was seated. It didn't last long. She slowly began to 
sit up from her place very, very quietly. But in her eyes, was a fire of a thousand suns. The very depths of my soul could feel it. She peered into my soul and said, we will never do what you say we will do. <laughs> you big, me small. You know, that's a, a, a territory dispute. <laughs> you the winner. Okay, anyway, so Cat won that. Um, <laughs> it was bad. Um, guys, listen. When you speak out in stupidity, cloaked in what you think is confidence, you're always exposed real quick. Okay, real quick. So make sure before you take a stand with your bros and your sister and all that that you're making sure, God, is this confidence or is this arrogance? Is this confidence or is this stupidity? Is this, make sure it's from the Lord. Good way to do that is ask a pastor, ask a life group leader, wisdom in a multitude of counselors. We gotta stand together. That was a little, little side note, but here we go, we're back. So we gotta stand with confidence. We gotta stand together. We have to stand with Christ. How do we stand? We stand with Christ. I'm about to blow all y'all's mind. Let's do this together. Daniel 3, verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, much like my German wife, and the expression of his face was changed. We will never do. Okay, anyway. All right. So he said, throw those guys into the fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, their other garments. I don't know why the word is listing all their garments. It's like their bracelets, their anklets, their rings, their hair bows. Oh, wait, wrong verse. Okay, anyway. <laughs> don't you guys, does everybody ever think about this stuff? I mean, I'm like, why is this pertinent? Their hats, their tunics, their hats were in there. I guess because, anyway, they were, they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace, because the king's order was so urgent that the furnace be overheated, the flame fired up and killed even the men that took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in. And all these three men fell into the fiery furnace. Then the king's face was astonished as he rose up in haste. He declared to the counselors, did we not cast three bound men into the fire? They answered, and they said, true, O king. And he answered and said to them, but I see four unbound men walking in the midst of the fire. They are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a God. We have to take a stand with Christ. And I'm telling you right now, when you take a stand, Christ is with you. Listen, oh man, I'm getting fired up and this is about to go down. Here's the bottom line. When you can feel the heat, Christ is with you every time. I'm telling you right now, when you can feel that fire, when you can feel that temptation, oh, the temptations are tall. Oh, they're intimidating. Oh, everybody else is bowing down. When you can feel that, you better believe if you will have the courage to take a stand with your friends, Jesus is going to go, whoo, it's, it's go time. I mean, he's going to be so fired up to stand with you. One of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible, and I think I've been using this for so long, and God hit me, this, this, this revelation about Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. I quote that scripture at almost every worship meeting I have. I quote it at every prayer meeting I go to. I quote it when I talk about small groups. I quote it all these different times. And God recently said to me, Chris, why do you quote that every time you're up in a church? 
where three or more are going to get together, he's right there with them. Why don't you quote that when they're in the middle of war? Why don't you quote that scripture where two or three are gathered together in my name? Boo, I'm going to stand up beside them. I'm going to be with them because when the heat turns up, that's when I come out and I'm ready to fight for my people. So where two or three are gathered, I'm right there with them. You guys feel me? So I'm asking all of you, man, we got to stand together. You, in just a minute, we're going to have a moment. You guys are going to be able to pray with each other. But you got to know who's your team, who's with you. You got to look around and say, we got to have some confidence. You got to know when you take a stand, Jesus isn't going, man, good luck, guys. He's going, let's do this together. So that's, that's how we stand. And I'm almost done. What happens? Third question when we take a stand, write down, my life changes forever. Make no mistake about it. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they, when they were turning that corner, I'm sure they felt the heat and they were nervous and Jesus was with them, man, their lives changed in so many ways. Their friends were probably cheering them on. Everybody was talking about how awesome they were, but can I tell you where their lives changed the most? Everybody lean into this. Their expectations changed. Their expectations of what happens when we take a stand. That's what changed. Before they went into the furnace, they didn't know. They didn't know what would happen when they took a stand. But after, they knew when I take a stand, whew, God shows up. When I take a stand, things change. And that changed their life more than anything else. When I graduated from college, my dad... He, he, he said, son, I'm proud of you and Kat. I want to give you a gift. I said, okay, Pops, what is it? I call my dad Pops. <laughs> I love my dad. Anyway, so I was like, Pops, what is it? He said, well, I'm gonna, you can either, both of you can each get a free laptop or I'll fly you anywhere in the world you want to go. <laughs> Door number two, please. Yeah, I mean, that was easy. That thing would be like a piece of trash now. You know, like the laptop's like every two years and Anyway, so I was like, yeah, we, we went to New Zealand and, oh, hike the hills to Mordor. Anyway, we didn't do that. I'm, I'm using all sorts of good references. There's like little pockets of people that are like, yeah, and other people are like, Mordor. Is that in Utah? Anyway. <laughs> okay, so he gave us his gift, and my wife immediately was like, babe, it's always been one of my dreams to go skydive. pee-pee, you know, <laughs> you're in again, anyway, so I was, I'm sorry, I was, that same section, you guys are just upset about urine, anyway, um, I'm sorry, so anyway, so I'm, I'm like, I'm sitting there, and I'm freaking out, but it's my wife, she can't be more of a dude than me, you know what I mean, like, she can't be, I gotta, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, Scott, Ivan, let's do it, she walked out of the room, I'm like, <laughs> I can't breathe. You know, I'm just freaking out. We're not even there yet, and I'm freaking out. Anyway, so we drive up to this place. We drive up. It's like this little shanty, like this metal thing that could be like a shed that could be blown away by a stiff wind. It's just, it's this time. And I'm like, is that what, that's the hangar where they keep the planes? Are they safe? You know what I mean? And there's this guy with dreads. He's packing my parachute, and he's smoking the biggest joint. <laughs> love this man. I'm like, oh dear God. <laughs> you know, like, and Kat's like, I'm sure they know what they're doing. I'm like, he's high. 
we have to trust him, Chris. He is the expert. I'm like, you have, you're, I don't know what's wrong with you. You're so brave. You're so German. So powerful. Anyway, so we get in the plane. I'm freaking out. They strapped me to this New Zealander. Like, you have to be strapped to this guy, which is awkward. Anyway, so, and when they, when they strap you to them, there's like these four little carabiners, like these little metal hook things, and there's these little loops on your back, and then that dude's got the parachute on. Like, where do I get that job? You know what I mean? I, I'm doing this. Anyway, so, and they, and they clip them, they clip them onto you, these four little, little clips, and I'm like, so my life is now in the hands of four little metal things made in China and, and purchased at Walmart. You know, like, that's what's about to happen right now. And, uh, and, them just, and they're like, yeah, that's right, you know, or whatever, however they talk. So when you, what happens is when you skydive, if you've ever done this, it's incredible. Uh, they lean you out over the plane, over the edge. And you, lean your, you, have to, you have to let your legs hang out, and then you lean forward. And when you lean forward, there's this click, click, and it's the click of these carabiners popping, and you lean over, and you're leaning there, and they will not jump until you tap them on the shoulder and tell them that you're ready to go. So there I am, and if my wife would have been in line to jump first, I would have never have sky, would have gone skydiving, but I was up first, so I had to do it. So there I am, click, click, and my heart is beating just beating, and I'm like, and the, and the guy's yelling over the wind and the 12,000 feet in the air, I'm looking down at imminent death, I'm just there, and he's like, you gotta tap, mate, you gotta tap, mate, you gotta tap, and I'm just like, tap, tap, yeah, just like, tiny little tap, boom, and all of a sudden, we're out of the plane, can I tell you, the second we left the plane, this is the best decision of my life. I mean, we're just flying through the clouds, and it's amazing. I remember when we landed, we got down to earth safely. I was like, can I do it again? Two seconds before I left the plane, it was the scariest thing. My heart was beating. When you take a leap for God, you realize my expectations are changed forever. The next time you hear the click, click, the heart doesn't beat quite as fast. You realize, oh, this is what happened last time. And my friend came to Christ. So it's time to take a stand. Click, click. Oh, this is what happened last time when I finally got the words of prayer in my mouth and I started praying for somebody who had never been prayed for before and their life was changed forever by the one true God. Click, click. This is the moment where I remember, oh my gosh, my parents' marriage is about to be healed because of the truth of the one true God. Click, click. This is the moment where I'm going to live for what God has asked me to live for, not what the world says I should live for. What happens when we take a stand is our lives change because our expectations change forever. And the world around you changes. So many of you in here, you're going, I want to change the world. But sadly, the world is changing you. Not anymore. Because we're going to take a stand. Not anymore because we're going to realize that we got to stand up and do this thing together. We're going to realize that when we do it together, God shows up and incredible things happen. We're going to recognize that when we do it together, we can have confidence like we've never had before. And so we're, the way I want to close with this right now is I want to pray a prayer of boldness into every heart in this room. And then I want some of y'all to get ready to take a stand.
And listen, I'm begging you. I'm asking everybody. I'm even asking the pastor section. Do not respond to this because somebody else is. Don't stand up because you're like, well, I guess I'll do it. But no, you stand up because you, you, you may, maybe you need to have a little powwow with your friend. Man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stand if you don't stand. I'll stand if you stand. That's okay. But don't just blindly take a stand here in a second. Because listen, if you're going to take a stand out there, it's going to take more than some sort of like a Pavlov's dog response. The music is playing. I'm going to stand. Like a, that's not what we need. We need some passion in our hearts. We need some boldness. We need some, some fire. And we need to stand up around here because we can, because God is with us, and because we are together. Amen?